And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Hey, finger guns. I'm good. Finger guns. Go see <laughs> two guns. <laughs> Got to holster those bad boys. Yeah. Well, sometimes, but yeah, you finger finger gun, son of a bitch. That's what they say to me. Yeah. <clears throat> but how how are things? No complaints, I'm assuming. You know, I have my knee hurts. <laughs> what my, you... left, my left knee hurts. My back hurts. I'm unhealthy. I'm just sick every day. I got problems. But what other you, than that, what, no complaints. What did you do to your knee? I don't know. It just started hurting me like two days ago. Well, now your back's about to hurt because you just yeah. did landscaping duty. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> I Jeez, got health man. problems. I'm sorry. Well, hope, you feel, hope you feel better. Yeah, thanks. I'll be all right. Drink some Ovaltine. It'll help you <laughs> yeah. feel better. Yeah. I don't know what I did, but every step hurts. And Jeez. I don't like it. Sting wrote a song about it. You know, that's I, I hear you on the getting older stuff because I was doing deadlifts at the gym the other day and I tweaked my back. Not necessarily from the deadlifts, but just I think uh, from overuse. And I got home and I'm like, ooh, that doesn't feel very good. And I had the hardest time even standing up. I had to use a baseball bat as like a cane because <laughs> I couldn't even walk upright. Like I had to walk bow legged because it just was too much pressure on like my lower back. So I, I think I did something to my lumbar or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I was out Sunday. It just sucked. And then Monday, same kind of thing. I had to you know, stretch and take it easy because I didn't know if it was a muscle or what I did. But today felt great. I ran today and so I'm fine. But it just was really scary because back and knee injuries are, are like my fears because I love to be active and I can't be active if I if I ain't got no knees and no back. So, right. They're kind of debilitating injuries. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was you know, I didn't feel bad about taking it easy yesterday, but it just was it was such a bummer because I was I, I couldn't <laughs> even bummer <laughs> like I couldn't even sit down. I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, oh, my God, this hurts to sit. So and then I had a hard time standing up. I'm like, what do I do? So I just took a bunch of ibuprofen and I just had a bunch of water and it kind of helped. But holy shit. Oh, man, I would die if I took a bunch of ibuprofen. I know. I know. I didn't have any other options, though. I didn't want to drink a whole bunch because I don't think that'll help. But I needed to reduce the inflammation if it was a muscle. Got to pee on it. See, I didn't have any pee. I had to drink more water. See? I'll send you some. I got a bee guy. <laughs> cool. I got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been watching? While you were injured and just sitting there doing nothing. Well, slash standing. turns out, turns out that that was actually pretty beneficial. So I watched uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. And it was fun because I could see all the Seattle locations. I'm like, hey, I've been there. Um, I watched X-Men Days of Future Past. I don't know why I selected that one, but I think it's just because I like that they incorporated all of the, the X-Men in it. Um, I watched Cruella because this weekend it, was the first weekend that it was not premium or premier access. So it was free. Um, and I liked it. There were things I didn't like about it, but uh, I really loved Emma Stone. I loved Emma Thompson. She was incredible. Um, and I loved her two her two friends, Horace and, and Jasper. Jasper. Yeah. They were they were hilarious. So I think the performances were awesome. I love the fashion and Emma Stone is just uh, amazing. But 
yeah, I mean, it was it was Emma Thompson's movie. I think she was so evil and such a bitch, and I I loved every second that she was on screen. Yeah, so, I like the yeah. uh, the store manager when she was working as like the janitor or whatever. Yeah, I thought that guy was so funny. Yeah, he was an <laughs> asshole, but yeah, he's like he's like no, no time, don't think about it. Yeah, oh, um, me up. he was good. Yeah, and uh, I, I I you know I enjoyed it though overall. I thought yeah, it was uh, I thought a fun movie. It's very punk rock. I dug it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I didn't like was the, the needle drops that they had. I felt like they just were forcing music in it every waking second. And I'm like, cool, I get it. Like, you know, um, I don't need a song to, you know, advance the story every five minutes. Like, yes, I want music in the film, mm-hmm. but I feel like they were relying on it way too much. So I don't know. And then I watched uh, Sideways, Paul Giamatti. Sure. That was a fun one. The ostrich. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, and then I watched Inception. Boom. That movie is excellent. And I now with a more analytical approach, I was able to really, really appreciate it even more. Sure. And then I watched Wedding Crashers. And you know what? I was uh, I didn't really like that one as much as I remembered. I think it has fun one liners, but I can't stand Vince Vaughn in it for some reason. He kind of drives me crazy, actually. <laughs> he just talks so fast and I'm like, slow it. And he's like, do you motorboat? Yeah. <laughs> motorboat, son, motorboat of son of a bitch. See, it's better to like quote the lines from yeah. it than I, I like some of the stuff he did and he had funny moments, but I just was kind of tired of him. So I don't know. I don't think that movie aged very well, in my opinion. Dave and I always say, what's our situation, dad? We'll say that a lot. And then uh, we'll say it's so sexual and violent. Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the I, call it ce- I call it celebration. <laughs> yeah. That was a gift, Todd. I'm keeping it. <laughs> Let's play tummy sticks. No, no tummy sticks. <laughs> yeah. That's so gross. Oh, it's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I, we tried watching it like a year ago, and I didn't laugh nearly as much as I remember laughing when it came out. So I don't know. Maybe I just matured. <laughs> yeah. Individual. I don't know. But, I, and I like I like it when Chaz is like, Ma, the meatloaf. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good cameo from him. He, Yeah, I mean, that was in like the peak Will Ferrell. Well, starting to get there, I should say. But, you know, old school was where he really kind of struck gold. And then he went from there. And even old school watching that again, it's not as funny as I remember. It's, oh funny, God, it's funnier to quote it, I think. So oh, my favorite scene in that whole movie is when Juliette Lewis is like, I'm really sorry. And then like side blows the smoke away from, <laughs> from Luke Wilson. I think that's so funny. I always oh. say, I always say, hello, I'm here for the gangbang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Todd, Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah. I know. He's uh, He likes putting himself in his movies. He like does. in Hangover and stuff. He's, he's a cameo guy. He's in uh, Road Trip too. He's on the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the feet guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's not Boston, in Joker, though. Boston, Massachusetts. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Boston, Texas. <laughs> what did you What did you watch? Uh, not a lot. I watched Adventure Brothers, just kind of plowing through that, rewatching it, and then uh, played Dark Souls 3. I uh, beat it twice in like the last week, and now I'm going through my, my third playthrough, this time on a PC. I always played it on Xbox, and now I'm playing it on a PC to see if it's just any different. I know that sounds silly, but I just wanted to do it. And then uh, rewatch, actually not rewatching, but uh, Evangelion. So, you know, it was a series a long time ago and it was like 20 something episodes. And I watched all those a bunch of times, but Amazon, well, not Amazon. Amazon has them available to watch, but uh, they were sort of rebooted as movies. 
and they cut out a lot of the filler. And so I started, it's four movies right now. The fourth one actually just came out hmm. like two weeks ago. Um, it is, it's like Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time is what it's called. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the I one that I watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the ones that I've been watching are Evangelion 1.11, You Are Not Alone. And then the second one is uh, Evangelion 2.22, You Cannot Advance. Uh, so I'm halfway through the second one. So I still got to watch the third and fourth uh, to talk about it on a live stream on Friday for work. So nice, dude. Yeah, that is uh, quite the quite the mouthful of a title there. But I get yeah, it. Kind of complicates things. You got to write it down on a paper. Otherwise, you'll forget. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know anything about the Evangelion other than you like it. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Change cool. your life, man. I hope so. I don't know for the better, but change your life. <laughs> I mean, change is going to do me good. That's what Elton John said. So. Obama, yeah. change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you ready to talk about this week's movie? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I'm, I'm ready to dive in. The motion picture show. We are doing Falling Down from 1993, directed by Joel Schumacher, who you might know from Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, The Lost Boys, 8mm, uh, Time to Kill, along with many other things. Um, written by, what, what is this? Ebby <laughs> Rose Smith. Ebby Rose Smith, who did yeah. Turner and Hooch, which I saw at the drive-in of all places, and The Big Easy. So there you have it. Cast includes Michael Douglas, Robert Duvall, Barbara Hershey, Rachel... Uh, Ticketin. Ticketin. She's in uh, Total Recall. Yeah. Ticotin. Ticketin? <laughs> yeah. Tico. Tampico. Tuesday Weld, uh, Frederick Forrest. So there you have it. Uh, critical reception. We'll start with Chicago since they hate everything. Uh, they've got Jonathan Rosenbaum says none of the characters ever rises beyond the level of his or her generic functions. And by the end of the overall emptiness of the conception becomes fully apparent. Wow. What? Do you yeah. even watch the movie? <laughs> Richard Schiskel from Time Magazine says, let's face it, comma. There is an element of truth in the character of defense, but it is finally tabloid truth. Wow. Let's face it, he says. Uh, time out. Says, sometimes funny, sometimes touching, and certainly unnerving. So, Richard Propes from TheIndependentCritic.com, who I feel like we quote pretty often on this show. Mm -hmm. Falling down, a stellar film is Joel Schumacher's miracle. Like wow. the movie with the ice skaters on the, <laughs> in the hockey arena, where ice skaters take up hockey and win the Olympics. Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I love that movie. Miracle? Oh, God. It makes me cry. Me too. Even though I know Ooh. what happens, I'm just like, I know. Oh. <laughs> like when they win, I'm just like, oh, my God. I know. It's just too much. When he goes out, goes out by himself. He like is so overjoyed. He has to cut through everybody, and he just goes into the hallway by himself, and he's just like, yeah, loose his yeah. arms up. Oh, little, I little love fist, it. Little fist bump there. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's it like, goes, yeah. it goes, don't you forget yeah. about me. <laughs> yeah, I like the end where you see what everyone's up to uh, post-Olympics. Yeah. Know, like what they did with their careers and stuff. Michael Ruzioni, and I play for the United States of America. I was like, yeah. oh boy. Yeah, that's a pretty touching scene too. But I, I feel like I would have figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> 
<laughs> Clearly, they're not giving the right answers. I would have, I would have uh, put the two and two together there and been like, "United States?" <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> uh, not for nothing, but you know, it says USA on the jersey there. Guilty with the stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, freaking! I saw this tweet the other day that was like, "Who's who's an actor that?" Yeah, as soon as you see that they're in a movie, you have to go see it. Oh, and and I think Kurt Russell's probably one of those for me. He definitely is. I think we asked this question too. He's one of your favorites of all time. Yeah, but I didn't see that. It's kind of a lie because I didn't watch that Netflix Christmas movie. Oh, where he is Sandy Claus. Oh yeah, I forgot so, that, what that one's called. So it's not true. <laughs> for me, it's probably Francis McDormand and um, uh, Christian Bale, and probably Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, I don't think he acts anymore. Oh, Leo. Leo, definitely. Anything Leonardo DiCaprio's in, I'll see. Fucking love him so much. You just like to see him die. He's He is shooting for the... the oh, who's the guy that dies all the time? Ned Stark. Sean Bean. He's going for the Sean Bean Award. Leonardo DiCaprio dies in almost every movie he's in. What? Yeah. O- Once Upon a Time, he doesn't die. Inception. Uh, oh, I well, guess... Well, Inception is still kind of... He might be. No, I watched a 15 minute breakdown video today <laughs> on why he's in reality. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, but yeah you're right. It's Im- 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 ambiguous for a reason. He does end. die a lot in his movies. He doesn't die in The Revenant. Well, I mean, he might die from wounds. So Yeah, well, that's like a three hour snuff film of him like dying. That movie's pretty hardcore. He, d- You know, he has died a decent amount, though, too. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you are you are accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, because is he Gatsby in the Great Gatsby? Yeah, mm-hmm. so dies in that. Dies in dies Titanic. Calvin Candy. Oh yeah, uh, mostly Candy. I didn't see J. Edgar. Uh, uh, he doesn't. I mean, didn't he, see. Oh, no. he doesn't die in Body of Lies, but he gets close. Yeah. Blood Diamond. I'm pretty sure he dies in that. Departy dies in that. Aviator. He just goes a little crazy town. Banana pants as Howard Hughes. But to be fair, he's playing a real person. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catch me if you can. He survives, so that's good. Gangs of New York. I think he survives in that. Yes, he does. Does he survive in the beach? Uh, yeah, I think so. That movie's weird. I think it's a Danny Boyle joint, but that one's weird, man. Titanic. He dies. Romeo and Juliet. Spoiler alert. He dies. <laughs> Whoa. Dead, he dies. Whoa. Doesn't uh, he die in Basketball Diaries too? I don't. You know, I don't, I don't know. I never saw it. He doesn't die in Gilbert Grape. Well, that's good. <laughs> well let's just say 50 50 yeah he dies a lot he does die a lot so there's sean that. bean <laughs> yeah the sean bean award that's a thing I dig it hand it out anyway um the film that we were talking about is freaking falling down and it had a budget of only 25 million dollars which isn't that much uh especially considering how much they shot in los angeles there uh, gross to the United States and Canada at forty point nine million opening weekend. It did eight point seven million, and that was on February twenty eighth of nineteen ninety three. So there you have it. What do you think most of the budget went to? Because like, there's this isn't there's no real giant effects necessarily, other than a couple explosions and. Um, I would say paying the city to shoot in it, and then probably paying the talent. Well, Michael Douglas took a pay cut, actually, because he, he wanted this role so bad. He was like the highest rated actor in the 90s. Pretty I much. imagine. Yeah. You know, this is after Wall well, Street. I mean, what's a basically. pay cut? Is he, st- is he making five dollars? Is he making like <laughs> is he making the bare minimum SAG minimum wage or is he yeah, true. still making a couple million dollars? Like, 
you know, normally I get twenty million, but I'll, I'll do, give you the friend price of fifteen. I'll do eighteen. <laughs> I'll do eighteen, but hey, because it's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, unless he did it for a couple of bucks, then I wouldn't be terribly impressed. <laughs> I feel like that has to be on the internet somewhere. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it. I doubt it would just be available to, right. to see. I know that he did want number. to do the role. All right, that is correct. Absolutely, uh, he, yeah. And he even did his got his haircut on his own. I remember reading that somewhere. Fucking that he flat was like, top. I think this guy would have a flat top. <laughs> <laughs> Stylus is like, are you sure you want me to cut your hair like this? I think he even showed up l- with that haircut. And Schumacher's like, what are you doing? He's like, don't you think this guy would have this guy? <laughs> I think that's how it is. Like, all right, whatever you say, dude. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 Michael Douglas is incredible. I think he is just such an, such an amazing actor. And, uh, that's, that's pretty rad. I, I, I dig, I dig the, uh, the dedication he has to his roles for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, sweet. Well, let me give you some fun trivia. So Michael Douglas considers this his favorite performance of all the movies he has been in. And this is a guy who has over 100 IMDb credits. And this is his favorite. So that is that says a lot. And we were just talking about how much money he's, you know, he's saved by switching to Geico. So yeah. um, every studio in Hollywood turned down Ebby Rose Smith's script. Producer Arnold Copelson was getting to the stage of considering cable television. So this was going to be a made for cable movie, which would have been interesting because, huh, I'm just thinking of how that would have plan, uh, you know, panned out. But Michael Douglas came in, saved the day, and he um, he read the script and pronounced it one of the best he's ever read. So obviously a desire to make it. The movie was being shot on locations in Linwood, California, when the 1992 Los Angeles riots began. By April 30th, the riots were sufficiently disruptive to force filming to stop early that day. Film crews produced more footage inside of Warner Brothers Studio in Burbank as the riots continued. By May 4th, when the crew intended to resume in Pasadena, initial requests to do so were denied, causing delays. The tension around the riots was something that the filmmakers deemed to have an effect on the finished film. And that's interesting because I never, I I wonder now, like I want to watch it again to kind of see maybe what would have been affected. But Justin, you were um, around in 92 in, in near Los Angeles, right? Like, no, I mean, I was like two hours away, but well, I remember <laughs> I remember I remember watching on TV when the news cut to what was happening. Yeah, you know, it was right after the Rodney King verdict. And um, there was it was intense. I remember seeing, you know, Reginald Denny getting pulled out of his truck and getting beat. Uh, it, was, it was scary, dude, watching on TV. I mean, I was 12 years old, but I remember it like it was yesterday, dude, because I'm, I'm sitting there just watching cartoons and then all of a sudden. You know, they cut to this news. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was it was pretty impactful. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was intense. Yeah, God, I can only imagine, man. Just crazy stuff. And that's just you know, we we saw basically that 2.0 or let's call it like 6.0 um, after you know George Floyd and stuff. So it's it's pretty insane stuff. But um, oh yeah, 100. Yeah. percent Well, and then so the opening sequence of this film in which Foster is stuck in traffic, um, Foster. Is that his name? Bill Foster? I was just saying Michael Douglas. I didn't. I, didn't, I just call him defense. Um, yeah, his name's Bill. Yeah. His name's William. I call him Bill. I call him Bill. <laughs> That's what the mom says. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that opening scene when you suck in traffic, it's actually a direct homage to Federico Fellini's famous opening from Eight and a Half. And I, so Eight and a Half is, has actually one of the most beautiful openings of all time. And it's just this really claustrophobic, weird. Oh, it's so well done. And have you seen Eight and a Half? No. Um, 
it is uh it's interesting and i totally get it and you get all of what's going on but they're in a tunnel i believe in eight and a half and then he kind of just wants to escape and he starts floating up in the air and it's it's just really cool so i think that that's that's pretty awesome and then finally there were complaints the film was racist in its portrayal of minorities although it was also condemned as anti-white i don't know if that necessarily means that it's okay because like hey no no no, but we're also anti-white i just don't know i don't know if it's necessarily that was the main message of the film was to be racist and to be homophobic i think it just was kind of this world's all fucked up sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I got, I'm going to talk about it later in, yeah. the, in the questions, but totally. There's definitely, you know, in literature, in literature, literature. You, learn, <laughs> you learn about the United States is a melting pot, right? And that's literally what we're having to deal with. All these different cultures, all these different people, all these different beliefs, all stuck together trying to coexist and it just doesn't work. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree. I think you're you're right on the nose. Let's we'll we'll save that when we discuss. But uh, you're on the money with that one. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, this is a spoiler filled synopsis. So William defends. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mr. Lee, defense. William, William defends. Foster is stuck in traffic on a hot day. After his air conditioning fails, he abandons his car and begins walking home across Los Angeles, carrying his briefcase. Where are you going? I'm going home. <laughs> Um, at a convenience store, the Korean owner refuses to give change for a telephone call. Foster begins ranting about the high prices and the owner grabs a baseball bat and demands Foster leave. Foster takes the bat and destroys much of the merchandise before leaving. Shortly thereafter, while resting on a hill, he is accosted by two gang members who threaten him with a knife and demand his briefcase. Foster attacks them with a bat and takes their knife. The two gang members now in a car with two friends cruise the streets and find Foster in a phone booth. They open fire, hitting several bystanders, but they miss Foster. The driver loses control and crashes. Foster picks up a gun, shoots the one surviving gang member in the leg, and then leaves with the bag of weapons. Foster encounters a panhandler and gives him the briefcase, which only contains his lunch. At a fast food restaurant, Whammy Burger, Foster attempts to order breakfast, but finds they have switched to the lunch menu less than five minutes ago. After an argument with the manager, Foster pulls a gun and accidentally fires into the ceiling. After trying to reassure the frightened employees and customers, he he uh, customers he orders lunch, but is annoyed when the burger looks nothing like the one shown on the menu. And I just want to say that moment has probably the funniest moment in the film for me is when he asks, he's like, what about you? How about this burger? And the lady just goes, Bleh! Yeah, I think we have a critic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. That is funny. Oh, it's God. true, I though. Laugh. The menus always look all gorgeous. And then when I you know. get your food, it's like, look at this sorry I know. squashed thing. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm like, can I get my money back? Jesus. Uh, I like how the, how the girl um, is all just like kind of playing Smiling along. Smiling and like, stuff yeah, like that. I know. This is fucked up, right? That's so funny. She's, she's just like, playing along. Like, yeah, fuck the free world. Yeah. So. And Rick's been in a thousand things, too, by the way. The, the manager. Oh, what, what like, why am I calling you Rick? Like we know each other. <laughs> That's kind of funny. What's he in? Uh, he's just, he's a, a character actor. Oh, he's, he's like he's that been guy. A, yeah, he's been a hundred TV shows, a hundred movies. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. I didn't recognize him from anything. Yeah, he's in Seinfeld. He's in fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Also a manager of a fast food place. Uh, Fascinating people. Cool. So, uh, you know, um, defense, he, uh, he, he leaves, he tries to call from a phone booth 
tries to call from a phone booth, then shoots the booth to pieces after being hassled by someone who was waiting to use the phone. After Foster calls home again and states his intention to attend his daughter Adele's birthday party, his ex-wife Beth notifies the police because she has a restraining order as she feared he might become violent. Sergeant Pendergrast, who is on his last day before early retirement and routinely a subject of scorn and ridicule by his colleagues, insists on investigating the crimes. Interviews with the witnesses at each scene lead Pendergrass to realize that the same person may be responsible. Foster's defense vanity license plate proves to be an important lead because Pendergrass uh, remembers being in the same traffic jam as Foster earlier that day. Pendergrass and his partner, Detective Torres, visit Foster's mother, who is surprised to learn that Foster lost his job. They realize Foster <laughs> Where is. Where does he eat his lunch? I know. <laughs> they realize Foster is heading towards his former family's home in Venice, California, and rush to intercept him. Foster passes a bank where a black man is protesting after being rejected for a loan application. The man exchanges a glance with Foster and says, don't forget me, as he is escorted away by police. Foster stops at a military surplus store to buy a new pair of shoes. The owner, a white supremacist, diverts Torres's attention when she comes in to ask questions. After she leaves, he offers Foster a rocket launcher, congratulates him for shooting a bunch of N-words at the Whammy Burger, and says that they are the same. Foster dislikes his racism and replies, we're not the same. I'm an American and you're a, you're a sick asshole. The supremacist draws a gun, attempting to handcuff Foster and turn him over to the police. Foster stabs him with a gang member's knife and shoots him dead. He changes into army fatigues and boots and leaves with the rocket launcher. He encounters a road repair crew who are not working and accuses them of doing unnecessary repairs to justify their budget. Tell me what's wrong with the road. He pulls out the rocket launcher, but struggles to use it. <laughs> I saw it in a movie once until a boy explains how it works. Uh, Foster accidentally fires the launcher, blowing up the construction site. He crosses through a private golf course, frightening an elderly golfer into a heart attack and also briefly holds a family hostage while dodging the police. By the time he reaches Beth's house, she has already fled with Adele. He realizes that they may have gone to a nearby Venice pier, but Pendergrast and Torres arrive before he can go after them. Foster shoots Torres, injuring her, and flees with Pendergrast in pursuit. At the end of the pier, Foster enc encounters his ex-wife and daughter. Adele is happy to see him, but Beth is frightened. Pendergrast arrives and acknowledges Foster's complaints about being ill-treated by society, revealing his own grief over his child dying from SIDS, but does not accept that as an excuse for the criminal rampage. With Foster distracted, Beth kicks the gun away as Pendergrass draws his revolver, insisting that Foster give himself up. Foster instead pulls a water gun Adele was playing with earlier, and Pendergrass shoots him. So Foster falls dead in the water. Pendergrass, finally asserting himself, opts to hold off on his retirement afterwards. And that is falling down. And I almost fell down a little bit ago, like a day yeah. ago. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot to take in. Mm. It's uh, pretty intense. Mm -hmm. So when did you first see Falling Down and what were your first impressions? You know, I'm so glad we did this one because it's been a, quite some time since I've seen this. And it was one of those ones that when I read the part that said, you know, this was like a cable, it was going to be a made for TV movie. I feel like that's my memory of it is I only caught it on Cinemax or HBO at random parts. And I remember my dad watching it. And this is like my childhood memory with a lot of films as I you know, Maximum Overdrive, how I was saying I fucking hate that movie because it terrified me. Kind of like this one, too. I just thought it was dark and, and creepy, but I didn't see the whole thing. And so it had to be when I was a kid. Um, but I have not seen it since. And uh, I really enjoyed this movie watching it today. Um, 
uh, we'll, and we'll get into it later, but I, I think this movie hits a lot harder now than it did maybe 26 years ago. But I mean, maybe even it, it still had a, quite an impact 26 years ago. I think it was a, a highly underrated film. But yeah, uh, but yeah. What, what about you? When did you see it? I saw it in the theater, man. I saw it with my sister, my older sister, Jennifer. And uh, we really enjoyed it. I mean, it was a lot to take in. You know, I was 13. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, <laughs> this movie's intense. <laughs> but I remember really liking it. Uh, you know, I had it I had it on video uh, once it came out. Uh, this is a movie that I just had to have part of my repertoire. And that um, was great, man. I, I really enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, watching it again, I mean, I hadn't seen it in a long time. It's probably been about 20 years since I've seen it. And watching it, uh, I think it was yesterday I watched it um it was it was tough man like there were times where i was just like kind of scratching like my arm like maybe i was nervous or something i don't know i was like fuck i mean i know it's gonna happen but you know just so much of it is just uh kind of cringy and so and, and and unnerving you know one of those critics said unnerving earlier and that's that's a pretty good word for it there are times where i'm just like eh, i don't like where this is going so yeah pretty crazy i agree i was it was very unnerving it's um one of those ones that's just hard to watch and I don't feel like it's one I can rewatch soon, but I definitely like to I would like to revisit it again. You know right. what I mean? So, so, you know, one scene that always gets under my skin is when the homeless guy is talking to him and just won't leave him alone. Yeah, I, I really just I, I can just imagine that happening to me. This guy just all in my space. Yeah. And uh you know, I, I swear to God, dude, I give I give money to like every homeless person I see. <laughs> I'm just I'm an enabler, and like uh, just just on Sunday, there I was on the on the freeway getting off, and and there was a guy, and and no one was giving him money, and it was so fucking hot, and I'm just like, oh my god, I gotta get this guy money, and I I had a larger bill in, in my in my little pocket, and I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> but I gave it to him anyway. I was just like, ah. I'm like, should I, should I get this guy money? I'm like, and Alex is like, it's up to you. I'm like. I have to. So then I just, I was like, here, be safe, you know, take care and, you know, get yourself some food or something. But I just remember just like, I felt so bad for the guy, you know? And so if this guy was all up in my business though, I would be so weirded out. I would feel threatened. Yeah. Michael Douglas is just kind of playing it cool, but I would be like, dude, you need to back the fuck away from me right now. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't have somebody in my bubble uh, or it bothers me. Especially when they go in the dark tunnel, I'm like, ooh, I don't like this. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that, you know. I didn't like that either. I, I have I have space. Happy to help you out. I just need you to just take two steps back. Yeah. Yeah, there's no need. I hate close talkers. Not my jam. Yeah. But that's like one of the most like off putting moments for me is is just when that guy is just so close to him and just saying, Give me, you know, give me this. You got two bags. I don't even have a bag. Give me yeah. But I, uh, all I got's a busket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But it was something about that scene that just really drove me bonkers. I don't know what it was. I didn't like it. I was so uncomfortable. I, I think mean, there's a lot to be uncomfortable with this movie, but that just one part just sort of gets under my skin for some reason. And I, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but we we're, we're, we both live or, or work in big cities and we have, you know, um, a relationship to them. And so for me, I feel for, for you know, people in a situation where they're displaced from their homes. But I have dealt with a lot of people who are mentally unstable or people who are just aggressive homeless people. And so I've had times when I'm like, hey, man, you need to back the fuck up. Like, it's just been... And it's different for me because like I'm a bigger guy and, you know, some guys are like, hey, it's, it's cool. It's cool. But I've been with like girls or I've been with some other people who 
you could tell they were uncomfortable and and I'm just like, whoa, I need to step in. And it's just it, it's odd. And so I, I didn't I didn't like him approaching, you know, Michael Douglas and, and being that aggressive, too. He was just he would not leave him alone. I and I was like, like no means no, asshole. I know. Back away, guy. Seriously. And, you know, that's the thing, too. And uh, we'll talk about this later. But like, you know, mental health is a big thing. And if you're homeless, you obviously can't afford to get the pills and medication that you need, assuming you were even on them to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so when you just go downtown in any city and there's just people that have just lost their minds and they're babbling and they're saying things and not making any sense, uh, you know, you don't know if they're going to lash out. And that is the extra like there's this heightened awareness when you're walking downtown that exists because the unpredictability of the people around you. <laughs> it's it's nerve wracking. Right. It's insane. I'm just like, oh, my God, that guy's going to fucking stab me. And he's like, <laughs> like, if you've ever had to go to like a courthouse or mm-hmm. if you've ever been by like a like a transit station downtown, there's just always somebody there that's having a really fucking bad day. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's unnerving. And you're like, how how is their problem about to become my problem? And it's, <laughs> I and just you see him you see him yeah. 100 yards away and you're yeah. like oh this is the one this guy right here this is the guy that's gonna ruin my fucking day right now and you just walk in and you keep going in that direction you don't turn around or go a different way you just keep going and you're just like oh my god i can't get away from this man like the other day when when i was in seattle with you and there was just that guy that was fucking everywhere we went yeah i'm just like oh my god this guy will not leave oh I know was that was so weird. Yeah, we, we, even, like... we even went a different way, and he comes out of the woods somewhere. I'm like, the fuck? Where's this? This guy's like fucking Batman over here, just popping up out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just it's just something I don't want to deal with because I mean, my mind. I try to think, you know, ten steps ahead, and I, I you know, I, I want to get home. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to deal with something. And not everyone's going to stab me, but I also live in a big city, and that shit happens all the time. I mean, there was just somebody in Green Lake who got robbed the other day, and the lady got shot in the stomach, and it's just like, oh my god, there's. Shit like this ha- is happening all the time. And so, you know, I keep my wits about me. So I agree with you. That's that was a really unnerving scene for me as well. Yeah, that's crazy. So this film was directed by Joel Schumacher, who's no longer with us. You know, the man passed away due to cancer in June of 2020, which I think is why we did The Lost Boys. Now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, if you were allowed to speak at his funeral, what would you say about him? You know, it's so weird because I. I didn't really realize how many films he did uh, that were so important to my formative years. But, uh, you know, A Time to Kill, I remember watching that with my mom. And I mean, that's an intense movie, but it's just so well done. Uh, but The Lost Boys is is forever going to be one of those films that just hit me in all the feels. And I wanted so badly to go kill vampires. I was terrified watching it. Uh, I, I learned who I learned how to say the name Michael 145 times. Right. Um, it's just it's it's crazy stuff. And I mean, same thing with this. It's it, it's important. And I mean, no Batman forever and Batman and Robin, as shitty as those were. That was like my childhood, too, though, because Batman Returns and, and Batman 89 were really great. But I was just on the cusp of being a little too young to truly appreciate those. So when Batman Forever and Batman Ro- and Robin came out, along with the animated series, you know, I was just like, holy shit. And I loved every minute of it, even as even if they're looked at as cheesy, they just will always have a place in my heart. And I think that those are so important because he had that amazing style in those films. Um, and it, it's very apparent, which is so interesting because this is such a nuanced approach to to what he does, like falling down. You can see little aspects of what he does in his other films, but it's not 
bright and loud and glitzy and glammy like some of his other films can be. Same thing with uh, A Time to Kill. So, I mean, I would just speak pretty much about how he was underappreciated by the people who didn't matter the most, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking like the critics, but the people who mattered the most loved him the most. And I, I think that he was he was brilliant and I really enjoyed what he did. Um, Flatliners. Fuck, I forgot about that one, too. He just is he's a, he's a good director, man. And he seems <laughs> yeah. like he he would have been an awesome person. I think there was a quote um, and maybe you were talking about it on our last podcast, but he was explaining how uh, someone was yelling at uh, the writers or they were saying like this movie shit. And it was, it was on the writers. He's like, no, 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 put that on me. I'm the director. I'm paraphrasing all of this, by the way, but he's like, put that on me. I'm the director. You know, um, this, the, I can steer yeah, this it was, ship. It was, if you love a movie, you got 130 people to thank for it. If you hate the movie, hate the director. Absolutely. You know, blame the director. That was yeah. kind of his takeaway. And I think that's so selfless and I, and I love it. And I think he just, would, he was such an awesome guy and he would have been such an awesome guy to hang out with. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's probably what I'd say. You know, it's interesting because he has two different approaches to movies. Like there's there's the seedy underbelly, dirty vibe, like yeah. flatliners and falling <laughs> down and a time to kill eight millimeter. Right. Oh, and fuck. Then, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then there's like the the glitz and glam like Batman forever. Batman and Robin Phantom of the Opera. So he can go. He can go, you know, either way on the spectrum. He can do whatever the movie calls for, which is really cool. Uh, so I can appreciate that. Number 23. That was another one that was really Oh yeah, edgy. <laughs> so that was edgy. He has Virginia he has Madsen. Yeah, he's not he's not afraid to to go either route, which I think is interesting. I think one of my favorite little uh, tidbits or theories, I guess, was since Joel Schumacher was gay, um, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, there was always this kind of like hidden undertone that he just threw everything in there that was overly flamboyant, and he made it like a, a homosexual film on purpose. And the more you kind of think about it, you're like, that's why they zoom in on the nipples and the cod pieces. And I'm like, that's so funny because I think it's just his way of being like, fuck you. I'm going to make whatever I want. So I I really appreciate that. If, if that were to be true. Sure. <laughs> I think that's fair. All right. So when I think of Schumacher, uh, two soundtracks kind of mine, and those are The Lost Boys and Batman Forever. Those are two pretty goddamn great. Um, soundtracks but this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, this movie is probably one of my favorites of his but i don't remember any music at all yeah you know, I, had, I had to look it up and it was mostly like spanish tunes uh which i thought was really interesting uh but what does that say about the film when you love it so much but can't think of a single song or melody from it is that a good thing totally so i think just like cooking um, it's great to to taste all the different flavors on their own if you focus on that. But I mean, some of my favorite dishes are when I can just enjoy the entire thing in itself. That's why I like bowls, like burrito bowls and stuff, because you take a bite, you have your beans, your rice, your guac, you have your tomatoes, your broccoli, whatever else is in there. And you get those flavors, but it all just kind of comes as one and you enjoy the shit out of it. And I think that's what's so cool about this, because I agree with you. Um I didn't even really pay attention to the score, but it's because it, it 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 fits so well, and it was just real unnerving. And James Newton Howard did it, who you know he was responsible for. Him and Hans Zimmer did like The Dark Knight, and he's done. And it like, has it has a couple of oh, oh totally, sounds in totally, it. totally. <laughs> That's kind of his jam. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was just such an unnerving feeling where you're, I don't know, like you just feel weird and kind of gross, and it, it works so well. Um, Kind of like how uh, they scored uh, the Joker, where in that movie it's you, it's apparent you hear some songs, but you just are kind of 
uneasy the entire time. And I, I think it's really great that they can blend it in. And some other ones that I can think of too, um, a lot of horror films do this. So uh, Friday the 13th is a really good example with the, you know, and then just everything kind of incorporated in it where you don't even really pay attention. And I would maybe even say a nightmare on Elm Street, even though I think that that's a little more pronounced his music. Um, But you almost kind of forget just because it takes on this other character of the film, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is weird. I I was trying to think of other movies where I just didn't recognize any like music and uh, right. You know, uh, eventually Nightmare on Elm Street has that little melody thing, the the little couple of high pitched mm-hmm. piano dun, keys and everything. Dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that versus like something like Halloween where it's just that constant. Yeah. Dude, I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny how that works. I mean, so it's so prominent and it's just a part of it. And then that also has like the wham. Yeah. That's such a jarring sound. That's why I, those aliens talk like that in that one movie, Arrival. Oh, shit. I know. <laughs> they, were, they were voiced by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> but I mean, even like watching Inception today, clearly the sound was a big part of it. But it was it was very in your face because that movie's made for IMAX. So that was very in your, in your face. But you're right. I mean, when I read this question, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't even realize that. I think it all just kind of went with everything. Yeah. And and it worked. I mean, the, the set design where it was incredible. You know, I felt like I was in L.A. and I just felt so like creeped out the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cool, too, because like, you know, we talk about Sicario a lot and, and the score in that. Oh, is fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And, yeah. and it's all about like when they're in cars riding to places, you know, it's building its attention builder. Right. And so in this movie, he's just walking and and you're just kind of along for the ride. It's so weird. You know, it's just like, well, what sort of adventure is Bill going to get into now? <laughs> it's so crazy. And this movie yeah. would be. Oh, sorry. Good. Oh, no, I was just gonna say like Lord of the Rings. They're they're walking. They're on a journey. And it's the music that sets the stage for every scene. Totally. And then this doesn't have that yet. I'm still you know, glued to my team. I'm so engaged. And, yeah. and it's so often it's musical cues that get me engaged. And this film doesn't even need that. Yeah. Which it obviously exists. It's just played in a way to where it's all one big, you know, 2d fruity hodgepodge sort of thing where it all works together to where you don't even notice it, which is pretty awesome. Totally. And it'd be funny to see a recut of this. If he's just walking and it's like, do do. He sees the two guys and when he dies he goes That'd be awesome. I can imagine. Yeah. Someone on the internet make that a thing. Exactly. So I've become obsessed with age and I have no idea why, but I looked up Michael Douglas's Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall and Barbara Hershey to see how old they are during, during production. And Douglas was 48, Duvall was 61 and Barbara Hershey was 44. And for me, the casting is, is perfect. Uh, you know, but Michael Douglas's character, Bill, was described as a male in his late 30s in the police reports. Now, can you think of any films where the lead was perhaps too old or maybe even too young for their role? Yeah, I think there are quite a few out there, too. Um, 
<clears throat> some of the ones like I thought about uh, John Heater as Napoleon Dynamite was was always kind of even at a young age when I saw it. Um, I was like, this guy's not 16. He does. Yeah, he does look 30. Right? Yeah, he, he does look young, but I'm like, he's the type of guy that I would be like, hey, can you get, can you get us beer? So I think he I, I don't know how old he was when he filmed that movie, but he definitely looked way older. Um, I think a lot of 90s films are are pretty uh, notorious for doing this, too, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, pretty much every every actor in Bring It On. Uh, that cheerleading movie. Oh, yeah. They're all yeah, supposed yeah. to be in high school and they're all like literally in their 30s. I just, I, I wasn't sold on it. I mean, again, even at a young age, but I, I thought they were all hot. So, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, there's something to be said about that because like an 18 year old can now work within like the legal limits. You know, they could do like 18 hour days or whatever on a set, but if they're a minor, they can't. Yeah. But there's a big difference. There's not such a difference between a 17 year old and an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between an 18 year old and a 27 year old yeah. or yeah. 30. And so <laughs> many times on TV, you know, like whether it be like fucking Buffy or Angel or some or 90210, there's all these late 20s. Uh, you know, actors that are playing teenagers. And it I never like that, yeah. uh, especially in like horror films. Uh, it's always these adults playing teenagers, you know, drunken teenagers. And it drives me insane. Can't stand that. Whereas, but they also have, you know, a, a, a career of, you know, being to work on time. They're professional. They're easy to work with. So they're the ones that get the jobs. It's hard to probably commit to an 18 year old that it's inexperienced to work on these long, production days so i think from maybe from a logistical standpoint it might make more sense to hire older people but from a viewership perspective it's always lame yeah i agree and i mean i didn't even think about that too for the they have to be you know a legal adult basically for the long hours and everything so it 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 totally it totally works yeah i mean and you also want somebody who with a little more charisma too. And so like for this one, Toby Maguire as Peter Parker, you know, he's playing a 16, 17, 18 year old kid and Toby Maguire don't look that young, but it, it's still, he's still one of my favorite Spider-Mans. You know? Yeah. He was, he was 26. I think when he did. Yeah. He, 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 but he just did such a good job, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, Amy Poehler, she was 33 in mean girl. So that's the opposite where she's playing the mom and she was supposed to be, Hey, I'm the cool hit mom. And she's 33. I mean, that's feasible. She could have had, you know, her uh, Regina at a young age, but she still didn't look that old. So that was interesting. They went the other way with it. And she's hilarious in that movie, too, by the way. But yeah, yeah she brings out oh, margaritas. You know, I'm cool. We mom. did that I'm movie hip. on this podcast, right? We did not. I want to do that movie. It's We it's, didn't do Mean Girl. No, we it, did. it's not streaming anywhere. It hasn't streamed forever, but. I thought we did it last year. No, we've never done it. I and we were I, talking about like clicks and all kinds of stuff. We did something. Oh, we did Clueless. I Maybe love we did Clueless. Clueless instead. Yeah, we did do Clueless. Uh, Gabby <sighs> Tron recommended that one. He said his wife uh, wanted us to watch it. But yeah, Mean Clueless. Girls, you can only buy. It's only eight bucks on um, Apple you don't TV. Own, you don't own it? Mean Girls? No. Yeah. Oh, my God. I fucking love that movie. I do like it a lot. I know I need to. I need to just buy it. So maybe I'll do it so after good. this. Um, and then also uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, she was only 22 in the movie seven. I had to look that up. Um, I always thought she looked kind of young, but honestly, Gwyneth Paltrow has aged very well. So I'm kind of that one's kind of a toss up because she was super young in seven. But then she looks a lot younger and she's older in real life for other roles, too. So mm-hmm. she's done a pretty good job aside from her weird ass beauty products that she claims her goop yeah fucking and vagina candles and all the poop and stuff that she rubs on her face i don't know yeah, she's a character she's very odd but yeah um 
those are, that's pretty much what I was able to come up with. Yeah, no, those are all good. I, I mean, I couldn't think of it. something that always I always think is weird is like Adam Sandler's wives and movies always get younger and younger as he gets older and older. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm 10 years older than my partner. So, I mean, I guess it, it's, I can't say too much, but I do think it's funny when you have a 50 year old man with like, you know, a 20 a hot 24 year old or something like that. You're like, OK. Calm down. <laughs> Whoa. Pump, <laughs> pump those brakes there, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just weird. Like Jim Carrey and, and Zoe Deschanel and Yes Man. I yeah. Mean, kind of a weird couple. Yeah. That um, is. Yeah, you're right. That is really odd. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes like those always just kind of seem weird to me. I don't have a problem with it. You know, whatever you do, whatever you want. But for Hollywood pairings and movies, I thought it was kind of an odd matchup. But, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway. So let's talk about defense. So beer, Bill, 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 not beer. Bill clearly needs help with, you know, from a medical professional, you know, trying to get that dude hopped up on some pills. Uh, Mental health wasn't even addressed in this film. Uh, Nothing about him being off his meds or just being crazy town banana pants. He was just an angry man. He, He was we were told that he has a temper. If this film, if this were filmed today, some 28 years later, do you think it would have some sort of mental health messaging worked into the script or am I just the crazy one? No, I think it definitely would, Um, especially just the landscape of uh, social media now. And and we're way more aware of of mental health. Um, And I think it's great. You know, I mean, pretty much everyone is seeing a therapist and, and, and it's important to. And before when we just say, oh, they're just having a bad day or, oh, you know, that's just that's just Bill. No, like, I mean, people, it's they, they need help even when they don't know they need help. And um, I, I used the film Joker as an example, too, because a lot of people talked about how that was a cry for mental health, how, how no, 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 that's just an anarchist. No, 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 he's a terrorist. Like all these different things came from that. But it, it got the conversation going for sure. And I mean, that is very true. We have an issue with um, mental health in, in this country. And I, I hope that we can get some sort of better health care. But you know, probably not in our lifetime. <laughs> so yeah. I hate to say that, but it's just, it's, there's, it's, it always comes down to money. And so um, there are too many, too many bureaucrats out there that are ruining it for a lot of people. And um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I, it's so, it's so weird that they can just write it off and say, he's, he's just having a bad day. Right. Sort of he's thing. an attitude adjustment. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, I think that kind of answers the question too, is, you know, some 28 years later, you and I recognize he definitely needs some help. It's not just him being, Oh, he's a racist or, Oh, he he's like bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> like as someone that is not a medical professional, yeah. if I saw somebody that was super nice one second and then really angry the next, I'd be like, dude, this guy needs some pills. <laughs> he's, and he, he's gotta be like a sociopath or something too, because just the way he's so nonchalant about everything, even dealing with those, those gang members, he's like, I'm just sitting here, you know, he's so calm and collected the entire time. And it's interesting. He doesn't really freak out per se for for many things. I mean, he shoots up some stuff and he bashes everything, but he doesn't really freak out in the sense of like losing control that I remember at least. Right. So I think him in the convenience store, the mini mart, Mm -hmm. losing his shit and breaking up everything like that did not need to happen. Like he was. He was trying to prove a point and he went way overboard. Like (laughs) he's like a full blown Karen. And that that store and it's uncomfortable. And like if if there were another human being in that store, they would probably be so scared. You know, like it's 
it's not a lot of people like to see confrontation in public places. You know, a lot of people get weird. They, you know, they run away or they don't know what to do. They freeze. They don't want to get hurt. And rightfully so. I mean, you don't want to get like stabbed or beat up or whatever, trying to get involved. I totally understand that. It's not for everyone to step in. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I would like to think that, you know, if somebody were in trouble, I would step in, but I, it's, it's never really happened before. You know, I remember at, at Target a couple of times uh, I had to, kick somebody out because they were being weird to another person, but it was never like these, you know, phone recordings that you see on social media where someone's screaming, like an anti-masker is screaming at like a minority or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I've never witnessed that. And that's just horrible. Especially if it's like on a subway or something and there's just 30 people standing there doing nothing. And it's like, man, is that really who we are? I know. And, and I think <laughs> the answer is yes, which is really yeah, sad. I know. It's it's pretty awful, man. It is. It's terrible. So one thing I noticed about Bill is that he cares about kids. Obviously, he has his own daughter, but he's nice to the boy at the Whammy Burger, along with Bazooka Joe, and he gets uh, scared when he thinks that the little girl hostage is bleeding. You know, is is it... This is weird because throughout the entire film, his ex-wife is telling us how scared she is for her and her daughter, that he's very capable of violence, which we've now seen, of course. Um, But when she's speaking to the police officer, she admits that he has never physically hurt her. You know, last uh, last week during our discussion on Disturbia, I spoke about that film trick where actors are nice to animals to get the audience to like them. Do you think that uh, the same was done for Bill and his tenderness for children? Are we supposed to like Bill? I think that maybe it was done for the effect of kind of um, seeing his point of view or, or, or getting on his side. I don't think we're ever really supposed to root for him, per se. Like we can look at moments and and and, and a big part of this movie that I think works well is we can look at moments and be like, I have felt like that. Uh, going to the restaurant and being like, are you fucking kidding? I get this squished down burger when I want a, a literal whammy burger, like a giant, you know, filled up whammy burger or this Coke is 85 cents, which is like, you know, $5 nowadays uh, when it's just a soda. Like this needs to not be that much. And then the whole idea, you know, like, oh, yeah, you have to buy something. You can't. I'm not going to give you change. Um, or, or or the opening scene where he's stuck in traffic. We've all been stuck in traffic. It sucks. It's annoying. There's nothing you can do about it. But we all kind of feel like we want to be like Bill and just be like, fuck it and, and just get out and walk away. Um so I think they do try to add little moments in that um, to make him seem relatable. But I don't know. Um, I personally never was really rooting for him because I just felt so creeped out by him. And he just was such a such an asshole. And, um, you know, let's just take out the, the mental health aspect of it. But I mean, he, he he was pretty bad. And and I don't think that saving or having a code or whatever for the kids justifies his attacks. Um, I mean, even killing the surplus store store owner. I mean, yeah, he's a racist. He's a, he's a neo-Nazi, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I'm not killing anybody, man. I don't want to, I don't want to kill anybody. So I don't know. I think it's, it's tricky. And I, I would have actually, I was wondering if he would have went on without killing him how the movie would have played out a little differently and how I would have felt differently about him. All right. That's fair. So, uh, you know, let's, let's talk about the police interaction because, you know, Beth has nothing but trouble when it comes to the police. You know, they even refused to go back to her house when Sandra and Pendergrass, you know, 
two active police officers call to have a welfare check. And they're like, fuck off. We've already been there three times. I'm not going back to this house. <laughs> have you had any experience where you called the police and they were just unable to help or even possibly made things worse? I mean, I'm sure I have a ton of times during like, um, you know, the days of doing loss prevention and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, I've had like knives and needles pulled on me and I've had to call the police, but they're like, hey, you know, we won't have anybody there for 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, sweet. Hoping I'll get stabbed. Right. That kind of thing, you know, um, I've, I've caught someone across like at a neighbor's house breaking into their house and, and I called PD and they're like, yeah, you know, stay on the phone with us. And I went outside. I'm like, dude, he's, he's going to the house right now. They're like, all right, you know, someone's going to be there in about 15 minutes. I'm like, he's going to be gone in 15 minutes. So I went out there and I accosted the guy and was like, hey, give me that stuff back. And luckily he dropped it all and ran. But I was <laughs> give like, me that dog. yeah, it's not your dog is her dog. Never do it again. <laughs> What's that from? That's uh, that's when Will Ferrell is the office manager in the office. That's right. That's what I was gonna say. That sounds, that sounds like Will Ferrell. Yeah, Andy. about Joe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, saw Hawk D'Angelo today. Angelo Vickers. <laughs> yeah, I saw Hawk today. South Southwest is my favorite region. It's my favorite region. Um, so I think that at times it can be. Um, yeah, most of my police related experiences were doing doing loss prevention. I'll save some of them just because I don't want to go into it too much. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 it made me upset because I wanted to be a cop for a really long time. And I actually still really uh, like police officers. I believe there needs to be change, obviously. But um, Obama. Yeah, change. change. <laughs> but, you know, with the um, for, for the for the house calls, like, uh, you know, for the welfare checks, I don't give a shit if you've been out there a hundred times. It is your job to go take care of people. And even the lady who's like, sorry, lady, I got to go. You got to vote next time. And she's blaming on, on other people. I'm like, you are a officer to help civilians. You are here to help and you are not helping. Serve I, and protect. Yeah, it I says get, on the car. Yeah, I get your day is shitty, but it's like that doesn't matter. You need to pick a different line of work then. And it's it blows me away when there are officers like that that got hired and I didn't get hired. <laughs> I wasn't say I'm bitter, but right, right. but long, long story. But anyways, you know, I'm the type of person that at the drop of a hat, I will help people and, and welfare checks. Yeah. I don't care if I've been there a hundred times, just like in Disturbia when he's like, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it as he's eating a burger, you know? Um, I think it's just, it, it, it's so shitty that, that there are some people out there that have to treat experiences like that. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I will admit it is a tough job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a, you put on a uniform every day and people, when they see you in it, are either scared of you. Or they fucking they, hate they you. hate you. <laughs> you know, they want to kill you. They it's it's a it's a hard job. It's not for everyone. And and so many people on the police force have have given this this given us the perception that they're all terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times? I've said there's never a cop when you need one, you know, like you're always disappointed <laughs> yeah. in one. And then as soon as there's one behind you, like I just fucking freak out. I know I'm not breaking any laws. I'm like, man, is this motherfucker <laughs> going to pull me over? Do I have a gun what on me? For some reason? Yeah. Do I have a rocket launcher on me? Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> is there any blow in my mustache right now? <laughs> okay. Like what is happening? Like, are they going to pull me over? And and I can't tell you, like I probably have gotten three speeding tickets in my life, but I have been pulled over probably seven times. And, and the other, <laughs> Four times I didn't get a ticket. Okay, wow. just let me go. Damn. And uh, I remember one time this guy gave me a ticket and he was just a wheezing heart attack waiting to happen. He was just <laughs> out of breath. I'm like, what were you, what, you run here? Like, and he just got out of his car and he was sitting in the shade waiting for fast cars. And oh, he wow. was just so out of breath. 
Like, got, you all right, guy? You gonna like, finish that Danish over there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. That was one of my last tickets. That was my last California ticket. Wow. I had gotten one in, in Washington. Yeah, it's nuts. I went to traffic school too. Jesus Christ, really? Yeah, that shit sucked. That, that sounds so really dumb. And I had a cold. Oh my God, that sucked too. It wasn't a fever though, right? No fever dreams. No, no. <laughs> it was not. Man, that sucked. I'll <laughs> so, never forget that. Sorry to hear that. No, that's fine. I got over it. I, I'm a better driver now after traffic school. It yeah. worked. You're, I, 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 you know, you, you drive fast, but I like it. It's because it's how I drive. I drive aggressive with a purpose. I don't feel in danger when I'm driving with you because you're like, you know what you're doing and you know where you're going. And I'm like, sweet. He does. He yeah. does what I do. So. so, yeah, I am. I am a fast. Driver. <laughs> I, I try not to be. I try to dial it down. But fuck, man, I am just I am seeing openings and I take them. But I mean, I'm not that asshole that's just playing the lane game and just yeah. constantly changing lanes. I'm in the le- I get this left as, as quickly as possible. And then if I have to go around somebody, I will. Mm-hmm. But I all my goal is to be in the left lane at all times. Yeah. And I there, won't be that guy that goes from left to center to right to to center to all the way left to all the way right. I don't do that shit. Well, and there was some asshole like on uh, when I visited last time, there was some asshole. I remember when like a Corvette or something, and he was passing everybody and trying to pass us, but he just got behind a bunch of cars and like no one could really go anywhere. And I think you and I just stayed in the same lane. We ended up passing him. And I was like, yeah. look at this asshole. Yeah, we you know, because we, we got the same exit. We were at yeah. the light together. I'm yeah. Like, this fucking guy. Yeah. Wasted all that gas and made it way more dangerous. I'm like, what? So you could maybe save a few seconds, but really you didn't. And so right. <laughs> it was just so funny. But I, I get exactly what you're saying, too. Yeah. Fuck the police. <laughs> Coming straight from the underground. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love that movie. Me too. Straight out of Compton. Me oh, too. Um, anyway, so I'd like to play a clip from the final confrontation between uh, Prendergast and Bill. Now let's go meet some nice policemen. They're good guys. Come on, let's go. I'm the bad guy? Yeah. How'd that happen? I did everything they told me to. Did you know I build missiles? Yeah. I helped to protect America? You should be rewarded for that. Instead, they give it to the plastic surgeon. You know, they lied to me. Is that what this is about? You're angry because you got lied to? Is that why my chicken dinner's drying out in the oven? Hey. They lie to everybody. They lie to the fish. But that doesn't give you any special right to do what you did today. The only thing that makes you special is that little girl. Now let's go. Now for me, this is this little back and forth puts the whole thing into perspective. Bill has a mental breakdown, but the film doesn't call that out. Instead, he just has a bad temper and like a child that doesn't get their way. And in this case, goes on a crime spree, ultimately trying to stick it to the man, but gets lost along the way. You know, he destroyed a mini mart because of pricing issues. Not to mention he's a bit of a racist talking about coming to my country, take my money and not having the grace to learn how to speak my language. What a fucker, right? I mean, that's a total Karen thing, you know, but but then he then he beats up gang members, right? Then he shoots said, a said gang member in in further retaliation. Then he argues with a fast food manager about customer the customer always being right, but then calling out a white supremacist homophobe saying he's like a sick asshole. You know, 20 minutes ago, he was a racist douchebag to Mr. Lee. Uh, you know, then he's mad at the Caltrans worker and blows their shit up. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And then finally, the rich old golfer. You know, it's like pick a lane, man. Like, <laughs> like I guess what I'm getting at is that while the events are unfolding, you kind of root for him. You said that you didn't root for him, but I feel like audi- the audience in general is probably rooting for him because of of how they're able to identify with him, right? Um, and, and and they understand where he's coming from. But in this final scene, when Prendergast, um, you know, someone who's outside looking in objectively, who's basically like the audience. You know, he calls he calls Bill and us out for that matter. Like, yes, you dumb son of a bitch, you are the bad guy. You know, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like as yeah. I'm watching it, I'm just like, yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah, fuck those people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I wanted breakfast too, but I was in line at the drive-through, and because of that, I'm now fucking five minutes late to order. So now I don't get it. Like, like there's so many things that are happening that are relatable that that I do think a sizable portion of the audience was rooting for for Bill. Yeah, you know, and I I agree. I think that's a a really good way to end the movie just in that dialogue because he's right. Um, I think I do root for Michael Douglas's character in a certain sense of I can relate. That's how I would say I would root for him. I can relate to certain things like when he says a plastic surgeon can get this house or, you know, this is your golf course. Why'd you hit a golf ball at me? I'm just walking across. I mean, that guy didn't deserve to yeah, have a heart attack. That stupid hat yeah, <laughs> I know that's funny. But like, he also didn't need to be an asshole to him. He didn't need to hit his golf ball at him because even his friends like, let's just leave him alone. We don't really like him. Like, you know, you're the friend who's like, hey, we're gonna just leave him alone. We don't really like what he looks like. You know, a hundred yards down the yeah. way. And um, the guy, like, he, this guy right here, is gonna ex- fuck up my dad. No, exactly. Know it. A guy dressed in all black, wearing carrying a, a big duffel bag. Yeah, I'm good. I'll I'll probably pass on that one. Yeah. So, um. I think it's yeah, I think it's interesting because I get what he's trying to say where it's like, look, I did everything society told me to do. Why am I not reaping the rewards? But Pendergrass brings it home. He's like, dude, that's just the world we live in. Um, I think the Wolf of Wall Street deals with this, too, with the FBI agent kind of going back and forth. He's like, fuck, I, I do all this good work and I don't and I'm riding the subway and I'm not eating you know, lobster on a boat like like uh, whatever Leo DiCaprio's name is, Jordan Belfort. Um so I think I, I think there's those ethical dilemmas, too. But uh, I agree with you. I think he's he's the bad guy. I, I just I couldn't feel good for him because I don't like that. He was calling his wife and being like, I'm coming home, you know, just very scary and creepy. Um, and, and you're right. He, he didn't have a right to be to be racist. He didn't have a right to beat up that guy's store. I mean, he could have been mad at him and then just left or something. But right. Like I, you just lost a customer, pal. Yeah. And, you know, I try my best. It is hard, but um, I, like I've been going to Mariners games a lot this season just because I'm a huge baseball fan. And for some reason, their T-Mobile Park is just a shit show this year. The food lines are out of control. When you do get to the front of the food line, the food is either like ice cold or it's burnt to a crisp. Um, they're out of everything. Uh, you know, I got a beer the other day and this guy, I showed him my ID and he's like eyes. And I said, ice. No, I'm good. I don't want ice in my beer. He's like eyes. And I said, what? He goes eyes. And I was like, oh, you want me to take my sunglasses off? And he doesn't say anything. I was like, you know, you could have just told me to take my sunglasses off instead of being a dick. And, uh, he, he said, whatever. And he gave me my beer. I'm like, wow, man. So, but who am I going to complain to? Right. And so the nearest internet, I, well, I, I did actually, but um, <laughs> it works too. But I'm um, tweet about you, buddy. <laughs> I, it, it worked, but you know, and then like the giveaways and stuff that they had. And even like this other day, I went for Funko pop night or Funko pop day. And I always bring a fanny pack with me because one of the rules at T-Mobile is you can bring, um, you can't bring, 
excuse me, anything larger than the size of a clutch. And, and so like a fanny pack is, is definitely within those parameters of, of the size of a clutch, like a women's clutch, you know, a little purse thing. And so I always wear it and I even showed them, like I pulled it up and I opened it. I was like, Hey, nothing's in it. You know, I just have my sunglasses and my key here. And they're like, Oh yeah, you can't bring a fanny pack. in." I was like, since when? And they're like, Oh, you know, just for today's game, you're not supposed to bring it in. I said, tell me where it says that. And you know, this is a security guy there. He's like, dude, I'm just, I'm doing my job. I'm like, no, 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 I understand. But like, tell me where it says, like, there's a sign right there that says clutches. I go, so, so why am I, um, why can't I bring one in, but a lady can bring a clutch in. And then, um, I was like, can I just, can I talk to your supervisor real quick? Cause I'm sure we can like work something out. And, um, it was busy. I didn't want to be a hassle and I wasn't trying to be a dick to the guy, but the supervisor was saying the same thing. I'm like, dude, you, you have to understand it says nowhere um, on the website or anything like that, that I can't bring this in. So why of all days is, is today important that I can't bring a fanny pack in? I've, I've come to like 15 games this year and I've showed it every time and I've never had an issue. And so then, you know, the guy looked and he's like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Then you can have it. I'm like, thank you. And it was just such a weird situation. And I apologize to the security guard. I was like, hey, I wasn't mad at you, man. I know you're just doing your job. Um, I, he was suggesting, he's like, you got to go put it in a locker. I'm like, are you going to pay for the locker? And just all this shit, you know, but I wasn't going to grab his, his, he didn't have a weapon or anything, but I wasn't going to grab like a nightstick and start smashing up the front end. Cause I'm like, this is bullshit. You know, um, I can relate in a certain sense of like, oh, I'm angry. Like you and I both worked retail and we can, we've gotten angry at situations, but you just have to kind of breathe and say, woosah and, um, not go shoot shit up. And not right. go fucking pull a gun out and ask how the burger tastes and the lady barfs in front of you. So um, I know that was really long, but I, 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 I think he is the bad guy through and through. And I never rooted for him. I can relate in a certain sense, but um, I believe this final uh, dialogue between them is so well said by Pendergast. He really kind of brings it home for the audience. Right. Yeah, 100%. He's, I mean, I feel he's like kind of this, like a fuck you to the audience, too. Like, hey, right. man, it's a dick. <laughs> it is. Because, like, even these critics are like, yeah, this is, you know, it's relatable. And, sad, you know, sadly, I can relate to this guy. And you're like, yeah, I get it. We're all frustrated. Exactly. Doesn't mean you yeah. can go do whatever the fuck you want sort of thing. Right. I know. Like, I get I get mad. I get so irritated when I go to a store and, like, some punk ass kid is, like, on his phone instead of, like, helping people. <laughs> I'm just like. I'm like, Alex, I'm going to need you to take the reins here because I'm mad. And like, uh, it just, it bothers me. And I remember when we had to take Rizzo to the vet yesterday. She has like this little ear infection. And, and I, I am not impressed with this vet at all. And, um, I was like, Alex, you bet. Can you call? And she's like, she's like, why? I'm like, cause I'll just get upset. <laughs> and then and, and she's like, you're so funny. I'm like, this institution will not tolerate failure. <laughs> like I straight up call out like Dr. Evil. It's so <laughs> funny. I just, I hate it when someone just, you know, we all have our problems and we all have our bad days, but you can't let that impact, you know, your work life. Yeah. And, and if it is going to impact your work life, then just fucking stay home. It's like a Disneyland where you have to smile at everybody. You have to you have to be ready to 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 wow the guests because people are coming from all over the fucking world to go to Disneyland. And if there's some punk ass kid is on their phone or not paying attention, <laughs> it's going to ruin their whole experience. Yeah, Sam totally. just paid like two thousand dollars to fly over here and and waste all this money at Disneyland, and some punk ass on his iPhone is going to ruin their experience. I don't think so. So like, I always just kind of have this. This made up like white glove service in my head that this is where, no matter if I go to fucking 7-Eleven or if I go to Target or if I'm 
if I'm buying a fucking mattress, like I just, I just want someone to, to be able to answer my questions. I, I don't yeah. want them following me everywhere. I just, I just want to be able to go to them and, and get a question answered. Right. Yeah. And I don't want them to give me a fucking attitude and I don't want them to be on their phone. And I know that that sounds weird and I'm, I'm coming off as like a weird douchebag or whatever, but nothing drives me more crazy than going into target and I just, and I know where every fucking thing is. <laughs> yeah. I know where everything is a target shelf by shelf, aisle by aisle. I, I know my way around the target, but if, if I go there and I just see somebody struggling to look for something and that there's somebody, there's a, there's a, there's a red shirt walking by and now they're in fucking jeans and just I know. like a casual oh, shirt. God, and, I know. Oh my God. I'm good cringing. <laughs> and this person isn't helping them. I'm just like, fuck you dude like if you're if you're within an aisle away you should just check on them why is that so hard and yeah. so i take it very personal i and you know it's so funny because like i'm I'm not the hey let me talk to your manager type you know i'll let it go i won't i won't even say anything to them as like you know in the store but i'll go into my car and i was like this motherfucker you know <laughs> or poor alex poor alex will have to just listen to me about how how that employee is terrible i will never tell them like oh my god you're the worst i'm not going to i'm not going to have a rant in the middle of the store i will i will bottle it in and and i'll put it in my in my little box and then when I get to my car, I open said box, <laughs> scream bloody murder, like that motherfucker did this or he didn't do that, and uh, it's so funny. Like I just turn into a completely different person when I walk into a store. I just I I want all the employees to be attentive to every single guest in that store. I don't want them following them around and being creepers. Like you sure you don't need anything? You don't need any help? But I just want someone to say hi. I would love it when a team member says hi to me as I'm walking past them. Totally. When they don't say anything. I'm like, oh man, I'm glad I don't work at the store. <laughs> I know. Well, it's so you, funny. Well, and you and I, you know, we we were both managers and stuff like that, retail, and and we have a ton of retail experience under our belts, and so I think we look at things differently. But I agree with you. I, I want that quote unquote white glove service because I'm like, dude, I'm gonna spend my money here. I chose to come here to spend money. I don't need you to roll the red carpet out for me and, and wipe my ass for me, but. Like, yeah, if I'm if I go to the grocery store and I'm like, fucking they're out of like all the spinach and coleslaw and there's a dude stocking stuff and I'm like trying to talk to him and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if we have it. I'm like, can you can you like look a little bit harder? I mean, you <laughs> you have a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe. Oh, hey, yeah, let me let me take a peek real quick. You know, if you don't have it. You don't have it. But Jesus, like, give me give me the opportunity or something like that. Holy shit. Right. Give me the time of day. <laughs> right. It's just. Yeah, but I agree with you. And same thing with the cashier. The cashier has not helped me or a server. Um. One thing that bugs me is when people are like, well, you know, I always tip really well, even regardless of the service. I'm like, dude, I tip based off of service. And that might make me sound like an asshole, but I worked in customer service, not as a waiter or anything like that. But I think customer service is is synonymous uh, with that doing retail. And I mean, we weren't even getting tips and I always treated it as I want to be kind to people and I want to be helpful. And if I were a server, I would be as helpful as possible. I get it. I get when you're busy and you're slammed and all that kind of stuff. I had plenty of days like that, you know, see Black Friday. But I still tried my goddamnedest to put on a happy face and I wasn't getting tips. So I'm with you on the whole white white glove service. I've tried to let things go, though, too, where I'm like, pick my battles. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm right. I'll, I'll go scream in my car. 
or I'll go when I'm ice scraping, you know, old William H. Macy, I'll freak out on my car windshield. Yeah, yeah. I will never be confrontational to Mm -hmm. a a team member. I mean, I have no idea. So first of all, I have no idea what they're going through on a personal level. Exactly. Their their mother could have just died. Their cat could have just died. They're feeling really sick and they were, you know, guilt tripped into coming into work, whatever. They have their own problems. So I will just assume I like to assume that they're having the worst possible day ever. And that is why I didn't get my, hey, how's it going? kind of approach and i'll never confront them in the store about how terrible they are but uh when i as soon as i leave i'm just like oh man what a fucking waste you know, i get so mad and i get it they're only getting paid you know x amount of money or whatever and so it's uh i get it you know it sucks to not make a whole lot of money i remember my first job was like six dollars and fifty cents an hour yeah. and that was that was 20 years ago and the minimum wages has gone up like what a dollar fifty since then. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, so I get it; they're not making a whole lot of money, and and I just know that me personally, I'm just like I want to make sure everybody's taken care of. You know, I like I like talking to people, I like interacting with them. So that's that's my approach, and I realize not everyone's like that. But holy shit, man, this whole casual Friday every single day at Target, yeah, is really getting on my goddamn nerves. I don't, I don't. I hate that it bothers me as much as it does. It's so funny. Well, yeah, and and it's like it's crazy that you know even when, well, again with the Target thing, how some people can't even afford a red shirt, and I'm like, you can afford a red shirt. I mean, they're like two bucks at Goodwill, and and we sell some red shirts, but people were just so lazy, and they'd come in there, go, oh, yeah, can I get a vest? I'm like, dude, you work at a place where you can wear jeans to work, and you're showing up like you just came off the street, like Jesus Christ, you know? Have you been wearing the same shit for days on it, anyways? But yeah, it's just, it's crazy, yeah. you know. Like I was always wearing slacks and and nicer clothing at work, but times have changed, my friend. They are, I know, and I would I would never let anybody wear a vest. Like if they were one of my team members, I would just requisition them a shirt. I'm like, fuck that, you're not wearing a vest. This is a Walmart. This is I know. <laughs> like I, that, that's much better. But in my head, I'm just like, no vest. I I think the vest cheapens everything about the store. <laughs> me too. I think it looks so unkempt, and I I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I thought I was so lazy. But. I would swear. I swear. I, I would just requisition shirts all day long khaki pants whatever i i I would hate for someone to be like car attendants you know they go through like gloves and shirts and pants they're working for a living outside right Mm -hmm. so i'm like hey what do you need you know do you need gloves you need a hat you know it's cold outside whatever whatever i can do to make your day as easy as possible Mm -hmm. so funny totally but i guess a lot of people just don't give a shit yeah that, that makes me sad absolutely oh well I'm I'm sorry for ranting about the target. No, I dig it. Guilty <laughs> with the stories. <laughs> so uh, Prendergast is is sort of the Rodney Dangerfield of this movie. He can't get any respect. Uh, this is the man that lost his child. His wife has lost her mind, uh, and and none of his peers, short of Sandra, who is his you know former partner, respect him. As the audience, though, this is weird because he's a super likable man. I dare say he's an absolute delight. Uh, do you think uh, Prendergast is the exception and the rest of the police are the standard? Um, I mean, you have cop friends, so it's hard for you to answer this question. But I feel like so many cops are just fucking assholes. They don't they don't believe any of the of the people that they're questioning. They don't respect him in any way, shape or form. They're always like, hey, you're retiring. Get the fuck out of here. You know, you got a desk job. We're out there working for a living. You know, we got a beat. And they're just really mean and disrespectful to him. And so that really bothers me, especially one. He's a he's a, their elder. And two, he's been doing this for a very long time. And the fact that he's retiring is, is he's, he's getting out. I think that this should be more of a celebration. I hate how they just bust his chops to the entire 
bit of the movie. Drives me insane. Yeah, he is quite the punching bag. I mean, even the bike cop, you know, it's like, hey, I'm with Robert. It's my last day. He's like, okay, well, I don't care. Get out of here sort of thing. Yeah. Um, he's like, I am. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, hey, you're lucky you caught me. He's like, I am. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, today's my last day. He's like, oh, lucky me. <laughs> it's Yeah, and I, I don't want to generalize because I think especially in 92, you know, during the riots when this film was made, there's a lot of, of police misconduct. I mean, the entire riots were based off the Rodney King beatings. And so it's it's very interesting. And we're in such a, a, a captious time right now with with uh, law enforcement. And, and I still have some really great fen- friends who are fantastic police officers. And I still really do believe in the police. Um, but I think a, a substantial change needs to occur. And I think that starts with hiring better officers. Um, but I also think then, you know, you you develop different programs. And so it's hard for me to really generalize in this movie because it's just that it's a film. And I think you could look at any workplace, too, and, and pick and choose uh, or cherry pick, I should say, certain types of people from this movie that you could be like, oh, I know that type of person at work or I've dealt with that type of person at work. But I, I completely agree with you that he was just that punching bag the entire thing. I don't, I don't know if he was the exception, though, necessarily, because I, I feel like there are other cops like him. But I, I, I think it was overly exaggerated how he was treated. But I think that there are probably aspects of, of that definitely happening where people are like, oh, hey, old man, you know, ageism. That drives me bananas when people just start saying, you know, I've, I've had jobs when they're like, oh, the young guy over here. And I'm like, can you just can you just call me like the guy? I don't need to. Age don't got to be a factor in this, fellas. And um, I would never call someone geezer or anything like that. Or just it's. <laughs> Yo, geezer. Yeah, just it's it, it is interesting. And I mean, don't I think, hit me with your hickory cane. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was on purpose for why they made it look like that. Um, but he is kind of like he's like the superhero in it, which is so interesting because the entire film, you know, he's the savvy vet who's figuring it all out. And even his when he finally meets Bill, he's eating popcorn and he's just so casual. He knows how to play the situation. He doesn't run in there like freeze punk. You know, he's 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 working the situation to to save the hostages and then deal with the with the perp. I right. dig it. And he does. And he doesn't want he doesn't want anything to happen to Bill. Exactly. Which, which is interesting because, you know, now they're changing. There's this police reform now where. Police aren't the first responders when mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, someone that has mental health issues because people are getting killed. Absolutely. Because, you know, they're having like a freak out and the, they don't have a trained professional that's there to to take care of them. And that's that it's surprising how many times, you know, someone is shot and it's because that they're a mental health patient that's, you know, special and they're not getting that kind of treatment. It's Instead, it's a cop that's nervous mm-hmm. and, you know goes to their gun and that's so sad breaks my heart it does yeah there is no amount of training like training never ends for for anybody in in that field and so it is really great that they are working on that because i mean the mental health professional should be the first responder the police officer will be there for safety they uh, they um, go with them for safety i mean i've seen it in seattle it's actually really cool they've uh, been been doing it pretty consistently so um we're, we're we're getting there it's it's a it's a start but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember one time there was there was a guy that was clearly off off his meds. He was he was a babbling person and and making all the guests feel really nervous. And I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to call police, but I kind of have to. I got no one else. To, what am I going to do? Who am I going to call? Ghostbusters? I don't think so. <laughs> but I called them and I told them, like, look, there's a guy in my store. 
Uh, you've probably seen him. You know, he's he is off of his meds and he's just I don't I don't think he's going to hurt anyone, but I, I need him out of out of our store. I can, and I'm too scared to talk to him right now because he's like having a freak out. And they sent police officers who were really cool and collected. And they were able to, they knew, they recognized, they knew his name for crying out loud. And uh, they're like, yeah, we'll take care of it. We know him. And, you know, they're like, hey, Charlie, I forget what his name is. But they're like, hey, Charlie, how you doing today? You know, why don't you take a, you know, go for a walk with us? And and he went with them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, thank God. I know, <laughs> right? Been bad. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, makes me nervous. So. Um, so where do you rank falling down on your list of Schumacher films? You know, like what is your top three or top five? I love this movie, man. I, I think it's, it's just so well done and it's, it's so different. I mean, LA is such an interesting character in this film and you can't film this movie in any other, um, location other than LA. Um, New York just would be too bustling. I think too, too, too confined, um, and this is just a sprawled. I mean, when whenever they show the map and like, oh, he started here and he, he walked all the way. I'm like, holy shit. How did he walk all that way? That's why his shoes like, you know, torn up. Um, and I, I think it's just so interesting. And we've talked about how L.A. is such a character. And one of the defining character characteristics of L.A. is one of, is traffic, right? I mean, from the get go, you've discussed this on other episodes where we've been like, dude, fuck traffic you know you you had a situation where you just wanted to get out of your car and you're like yeah i don't want to be here so yeah when you can watch the fucking extended edition of lord of the rings and still not be home from work that's that's a long journey man it's i know like getting a wagon and going down the mountain to town to yeah. get supplies yeah you can have second breakfast in that time yeah. too so um in terms of like ranking them though it's 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 gonna be hard to beat the lost boys for me just because that movie was so big in my life growing up um and it's funny because I didn't really watch it as much. It, it's more, I think it just stuck with me and I had this thing for vampires and just like the sexy coolness of it all. But um, yeah, really love lost boys. Uh, this has got to be number two for me though. And and that's crazy to think because Batman and Robin and, and Batman forever were, were really huge for me. But I think this one just from a standpoint of how much I really enjoyed Michael Douglas's performance and how terrifying he was. But at times you're kind of like, man, he could go normal and I kind of get what he's saying, but no dude, he's a, he's pretty bad. He's Walter (laughs) white before Walter white. And, um, it's fascinating. So yeah, I think this one's gotta be number two, but, uh, but yeah, Batman and Robin, uh, well, that's monkey work. I know I'd probably say Batman forever, then Batman and Robin. And then a time to kill. I just really like that movie and it's well done because yes, they deserve to die and I hope to burn in hell. That movie does a really good job of showing how hot it is. Oh, fuck. I know. Everyone's so everybody's sweating. sweating in that movie. <laughs> they're all just glossy like they're fucking WWE wrestlers or something. So I, funny. Yeah, that um, that movie is intense. That's a it's a hard one to watch, but he likes like you were saying, he likes those intense CD underbelly films and I can't watch eight millimeter. I didn't I didn't like that movie. Joaquin's in it and I like Joaquin, but yeah, that movie's way too hard to watch. It's ugh, it's gross. It's rough. You know, uh, you said something a minute ago about him just being a regular guy or an ordinary man or something, and talking about Michael Douglas's character. Mm-hmm. And on the poster, it says the adventures of an ordinary man at war with every with the everyday world. Hmm. And I don't think he's an ordinary man. I, I think I, he, he might have been. Yeah, but yeah. He's he's definitely you know struggling 
he has that, that this poster tells me that he's just a you know he's in his white shirt and tie and he's got a briefcase like he's just a, a nine to five you know white collar worker is the impression that we're given right but then when you he's like an onion right and you peel off a couple layers and you see that he is a disturbed man and I think for the sake of the trailer or for the poster you know you don't want to give away too much for oh, it no because, you don't yeah you don't. I mean, you don't you don't see what's in his briefcase and until a while you don't realize he got fired. But but I mean, I think that's what he thinks in his mind, too. Like he's stuck in traffic with everyone else. He goes and he can't get breakfast by he misses it by four minutes and he's treated like whatever. You know, he has his Karen moments. So I think that's kind of what what they were going for with it. And um, it's kind of a, a crisscross, basically, or mm-hmm. a, uh, whatever you'd want to call it. And 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 where's he going every day? Is he looking for a job? I know they never explain. Is he just that. a man of routine? Because yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk about that. You know, like uh, you know, in a point break sort of way. Like, what if I told you crazy is getting in the car every day and being stuck in traffic for hours? Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's what he's doing. He's such a man of routine. This is this is all he knows, right? Yeah. It's I know it's, it's fascinating. That's what I was thinking too. I'm like, where, what, what does he, what does he do? And, and <laughs> yeah, where I mean, does he get his lunch? <laughs> yeah, maybe he like, maybe he stalks his wife. That's way too far, though. His ex wife. Yeah, I, this I, is a journey. Yeah, Man, that house right there on the beach. Holy shit! I know. I was like, wow. Jealous. How did she get? How did she get this on her salary? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so. <sighs> I know. Uh, that is that is that is dream job for me, man. Being yeah. right there on the water, man. Oh, that'd be incredible. Uh, I would. I all would. The, all the hot dogs you could eat on the pier. <laughs> oh man, I would go every single day to that ocean. Me too. Where does this movie rank for you, though? Uh, for Schumacher, Schumacher yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's probably one or two. Lost Boys is pretty goddamn great, dude. I fucking love that movie so much. So I would I would say. For fun campiness, I would probably go with Lost Boys, but for on a serious, like dramatic reasons, you know, falling downs, probably the superior film. Uh, but just from a pure enjoyment factor, I would say Lost Boys. I yeah. say Lost Boys and Falling Down. Uh, probably Batman. I don't know. <laughs> for <laughs> <ever>. watching Batman <laughs> Forever, it's so bad and terrible. I, like I know it. Batman and Robin's like terrible it. too, but fuck, I remember really liking Batman Forever when it came out. And, you know, we did a podcast on it. We did all the Batman movies, right? We did we did the at least that that yeah. continuity of them. And because they're all the same universe, as it were. And I just remember when we, we watched it, I was like, Zach, Zach, this movie fucking sucks. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it. And hey, that's my hearing aid. And uh-huh. all that stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, I hate this. But when you know, I was uh, I was 15 when that movie came out. And I loved Aerosalt in San Diego. And fucking Michael Jackson's history album just dropped, and I it, the world was a was a great place. I had I had fucking Michael Jackson, and I had Batman Forever, and I had no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> so that would probably be my top three, then I suppose. But you're right. I think uh, I think a tiny kill is really good, and I and I do like. Uh, when, it's hard to watch as well. You know, that's brutal. The beginning when the daughter is taken, uh, and yeah, eaten. I don't, I don't like it at all. Yeah. And, and that's another movie, right? Where where someone takes the law into their own hands, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's the thing for Schumacher. You got Batman as a vigilante. You got fucking <laughs> defense as a vigilante. You got fucking um, Samuel L. Jackson. He's same thing. You got the Flatliners, like yeah, dying and coming back to life, sort of. Thing. Oh man, I forget what the box art said, but it was like, "Are you afraid of dying?" Kiefer Sutherland isn't. <laughs> 
Oh, oh Jesus. That's so funny. This is going to defuse the damn bomb. Damn it. That movie's intense. It is. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that this movie is an A. I really, really, really like it. I am intrigued to to know just if it were, forget that it existed in 1993, if it was, was shot and filmed. I don't want a reboot or a remake or anything like that. But if it were made today, you know, would it be the same or would it have some sort of mental health messaging involved? I am curious yeah. about that. I, I mean, I, I, I keep going back to the Joker and I think that that is, um, that's about as close of a relation that I can think of for, for how it would be received now. I think it would rub people in such a weird way and I'd be scared of the cancel culture with it because I don't think there's anything wrong with this. And I agree with you. This is an A for me. I think more people need to watch this and, and for anything, just the Michael Douglas performance alone is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, just, it's a tragedy that he was not uh, nominated for an Oscar for this, but the, the Academy is pretty stupid. So I, I, yeah, it would be really interesting to see what would happen if it were made nowadays for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got, man. Thank you for your time. Cool. Yeah, that was fun. I, that was a fun movie. I watched it, watched it on Hoopla. H O O P L A. Um, you use your library credentials and you get uh, to check out free streaming movies. It's pretty rad. But uh, did you buy it? It did. Nice. I bought it for $13 USD on Voodoo. It is a good one. So I probably should just buy it because I really do enjoy it and it would be fun to revisit it, you know, after some time. But um, but yeah. So cool. I will take us home. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod. You got Edgy Armo, and then there's Zach Dale sixty, and you can share your thoughts with us, and we will discuss them on our show. We also take movie recommendations, um, so please share those. Also, please be sure to subscribe to this show uh, on all of your favorite podcast streaming apps, and if you like what you hear please leave us a five-star rating apple Podcasts. it helps a ton we gotta climb up those ranks man so we can get uh get uber famous or something like that almost famous please also be sure to check out the wonderful oh so extravagant geek legacy podcast with david randy and justin they just broke down the spider-man home far from away coming whatever the new one's called and uh, the new trailer that dropped, and it was awesome. Justin apparently doesn't like nano suits, so spoiler. I don't, it's lame. <laughs> I, I disagree with you, but I'll say oh, that. I mean, I was, I was with David and Randy on, on what they were saying, too. And Randy, yes, let me touch a button Ra- and be in my Ra- suit in Randy was Randy was right on the money with the whole Tony Stark thing. I mean, this is a different Spider-Man, and, and so, but I, but I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, so just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.